0: to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. Uh, this is the first part of a brand new series that we're calling Full Tank. I didn't really even talk to you about this series last week because we had Young Communicators Weekend. They did an amazing job. Yeah, why not? Celebrate them. Um, they practiced so hard for their messages that they filled up that hard drive that was supposed to record their message on Sunday morning. And so the podcast was lost from that Sunday. And that is everybody go, oh, but the good news is I'm going to make them preach it again just to me. And we're going to put it on the podcast and celebrate everything that they did. But uh, that was a great weekend. And if you missed any part of that, uh, you can trek with that. We will have that podcast up this following week, but it is a brand new series. I feel like I got a little bit of dust on me. I got to get back in the game, everybody. I haven't I haven't been preaching a sermon in a while, and so help a brother out today. Uh, but this message, I believe, in a whole series is going to be a series of messages that help build our faith. And uh, I really believe it's something that our church needs. It's going to be part of a broader spiritual journey that I really can't even talk to you about. I have to reveal it to you step by step. Uh, audio, could you help me out a little bit? I think I have a little bit of low in a little bit, a little hum in the room. Uh, That I can hear. But uh, how many of y'all love going to Grand Haven, Muskegon? You love going on a joy ride. You just like to cruise. Whether you got a nice car or a classic car, there's nothing like that 260 air conditioning. You know what I mean? Roll down that window. Got the radio up, you're listening. And in my family, we listen to doo wop music, we listen to oldies, and my kids can like tell you Neil Diamond lyrics better than you know them, okay? And like I love cruising with the family. We're all laughing together and enjoying our time. And, and there's nothing like that, especially in Michigan. There's something about like the motor city culture that we have brewing. And we love everything about Detroit except the city and uh <laughs> we love the nostalgia in fact uh i'd like to start a petition to see if we can annex it to windsor but that's another sermon um there is something about being in michigan and loving that whole classic car scene uh but there's nothing that interrupts the nostalgia or the dream of all like when you run out of gas you go stop and fill up and you're reminded how awful leadership can make things expensive but um <laughs> this is why some of you guys run on fumes uh don't raise your hands because I'm sure it's a point of contention with the people that love you in your life. But those of you that run it close to E, you're the most stressful human beings we know. And uh, we'll have prayer partners available for you after church today. But uh, it's a thought about uh, living with a full tank. It's a thought about joy riding in Grand Haven. I thought about how a lot of us might be running on fumes, and many of you that are new to the church, especially, you came because you're not filled up. You came because the last three years have, have really ate your lunch. And you might depleted, uh, be depressed, be worn down in some way. There's a heaviness on a lot of people. And I don't see it at the people of New Chapel. And some of y'all, you put on your church face and smile real nice. But, but listen, people go through things. And we have to realize that, that God has more for us than that. Jesus did not come and live his life on this earth and die on that cross, and, and resurrect to give you a life where you live it depressed. God has more for you. Can I hear an amen, church? I'm going to show it for you right out of the Bible. It's in John's Gospel chapter 10. This is a scripture, if you've been at New Chapel for any amount of time, and even over the years, you'll notice we go back to the scripture a lot. It is because in Western Michigan, It gets a little fuzzy. It gets confusing. And what Jesus does is he draws a light in the sand and he defines our theology for us. This is what he says. He says, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come that you might have life and have that life to the full. Everybody say full. God wants you to have a full life. Jesus died so that you can have your tank full in this world. Amen, somebody? And if you're going to enjoy this life, enjoy, live this thing out to the full, a joy ride, then you're going to have to realize the great things that God has, yes, but also realize how to get there, where we're going. I want to put a slide up on the screen uh, of an atlas. Uh, How many of y'all remember back in the day you used to go nowhere in this world unless you had a Rand McNally atlas in your car? And I put that slide up there, 2016, some of y'all would be like, "Mm mm-mm, Because you know if it's not a current atlas, you could get yourself into a world of trouble because things change. You don't have like a rerouting button on your phone. For those young people in the room with Siri, you have a modern-day Siri Siri has now traveled a little bit. Back when Siri first came out and it was a little blue dot that you had to like watch where it was going, navigation was still scary. You had to have a road atlas or how many of y'all, let's date ourselves for a minute. Lift your hand if you ever had a triptych made for you. Lift your hand in the room you old, you're a dinosaur, everybody. And, but, but these you'd go to like AAA and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to uh, St. Louis, and I'd like you to put together a triptych. And they would know. They would know where there was construction, and they would highlight these little maps. They'd put it together in a little flip book for you. And when I first went down to Bible College in Tulsa, uh, I had a triptych, and I still have that one to this day. But I knew where I was going, and, and you couldn't reroute like if you got to a dead end, you had to stop and talk to people. This is back in the day where men refused to do it on honor. It was a sign of weakness. You were like a woman if you went to a gas, hey, could you tell me how to get to the oh yeah, I can also tell you how to brush your hair. You want to go braid our hair? Like, you know, just- and so so you wouldn't you'd muscle through and, and and in the same way, I think that as we would look up major cities, plan our route, avoid traffic with the Atlas. It's fascinating to me how many people sit, maybe even in their lap right now, with the roadmap, if you will, for life, and yet they're confused. They're confused about God's direction for their life. They're confused about what God has for them. They're confused. In fact, the world is so confused with their morality. The world is so confused with their finances. It's just backwards. The world is confused in its relationships, and yet we sit holding God's answer. I've heard some people say, well, there's no, there's no handbook for life. Well, I beg to differ, and, and God has answers, and today I want to show you the Bible, perhaps as we've never talked about it before, as the roadmap for our lives. Amen, somebody? Uh, with a full tank, with knowing where you're going, having that roadmap in front of you You can navigate to the places God wants to take you in this world, but we must understand how to use it. Uh, I was dating Kaya early on, and I remember being like, Kaya, grab the Atlas. I need to figure out we were like lost in Chicago. This was back before it was a war zone, and and, uh, we were lost. And I was like, can you grab it? And and I got to tell you, there is nothing, come on, married couples, that will try you more than when you don't know how to use that map. And I'm not going to say which one of us was clueless in how to use a map, but it can throw you into counseling so quick or something else. (laughs) Intense fellowship. Kai and I don't fight. We don't fight. We have intense fellowship, but we 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 don't fight. And so we need to learn how to use the Word of God in the same way that you'd have to learn how to use an atlas. Are you with me? Let me tell you just a little bit about the Bible. Throw up that slide there, guys. It was written over a period of 1,600 years in 12 different countries on three different continents by 40 different contributors. It's an amazing book, amazing how thorough it is. It's, it's the best piece of literature on earth. Uh, it was penned by poets and prophets, princes, kings. Soldiers, farmers, shepherds, historians, tax collectors. Lord knows they need Jesus. They found him and they wrote a little bit. (laughs) Businessmen. It was written by people from all walks of life. And yet in all 66 books of the word of God, there is no contradictions. It is a unified story. Why? Because it is telling one story. And it is actually the story of Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it is written by one author. Somebody says, well, man wrote the Bible. He wrote it down. There's no contention with that, but they were inspired by God's Spirit, and there is one author. You can't get two authors together and have one book today make any sense. It's going to be fighting against itself. I'm telling you, it is a miracle of God that these people from different backgrounds never knew each other, hundreds and even thousands of years living apart, can write one cohesive narrative all pointing toward Jesus. The Bible says about itself in 2 Timothy 3 that all Scripture, the Bible says, is inspired by God. It's useful. It's useful to teach us what? What's true and to make us realize what is wrong in this world. Y'all look at me. The Bible is inspired by God. God breathed his life into it. And he wants us to be a thing that's life-giving to us. And it's useful to teach us what's true. Why is that so important? We need to know what's true in the era of misinformation, in disinformation, the, the era that our kids are growing up in. Well, what's the standard for truth? For the Christian, it's the word of God. It's to tell you what's true, what's wrong in this world, what's wrong in our lives. Say amen, somebody. The Bible is a spiritual mirror. If you approach the word of God the right way and you look at the word of God, if you approach it right, You're not only reading it, it reads you. And it will help you make adjustments in this life. The Holy Spirit will illuminate it in your life. It goes on to say this very next passage, that the word of God corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do what? to do every good work, like you are made on purpose, for a purpose, and the word of God is this maximum, the massimo tool to, to fuel you so that you can know what you're supposed to be doing in this life. Say amen, somebody. Amen. I like how it, it, it helps separate what's right and wrong. What's right and wrong? Our attitudes. It, it, it helps us to, to navigate what's right and wrong, and here's why it's important. It helps us avoid deception. Deception. Do you know why you need the word of God to avoid deception? Because you don't know when you're deceived. If you knew when you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. But by its nature, it's a blind spot. The thing about a blind spot is you need somebody else in the car, different perspective, so to speak, to point out the blind spot. The word of God stands out of our culture, our time, and it has a solid view of what the world is called to look like. And the devil, the enemy of your soul, is a master of deception. He's trying to take you down. He's trying to fool you and make you think that you're doing the right thing, even if it's wrong. That's why the word of God is our standard in this world. Amen, somebody? Now, it can be easy for us to get fixated on, on some small part of the Bible and, and, and we get lost in, in the weeds. And in and, and the same way, you might be hung up on some small question or issue or need for direction or an answer in your life. And that fixation... It almost makes me think about our phones and, and, you know, Siri, when she's trying to map us different places, you know. She can put you out someplace and you see the little blue dot, but you are in like a sea of green. You're like, Siri, this ain't helping. I know you know where I'm at, but I don't know where I'm at. And so what do we do? We, we kind of like zoom out on it and try to get our bearings by seeing some other milestones. I want to do that today. I want to both show you some of the directional things from the Word of God. I'm going to do that. But first, I want to zoom out on the Word of God and give you an overview. Here's what it's going to do. It's going to give you bearings so you know what's going on and where you fit into that narrative. Amen, somebody? And so I'm going to show you what this looks like. Trek with me. Uh, Did you know everything in the Old Testament actually mirrors events that are going to be happening in the New Testament? It's actually describing a cycle that is repeating that we will circle back to, to a spot of peace with God. And that's the first thing I want to tell you. In Genesis 1, God, he created Adam and Eve, and he created them in righteous paradise. Throw that slide up there, guys. He created the heavens and the earth, and he breathed life into man. He created them in innocence. And Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They they uh, they sinned against Him by eating that fruit. And and when they did that, all the paradise that they were living, a, a world that was absent of sin and sickness and sorrow and pain, it was destroyed in a moment. And that's the next thing. Throw it up there, guys. Satan and sin enter the world. You can read about it in Genesis two. What happens? Uh, they rebel and, and the world falls apart. Not just their nature, but the nature of the world that they're living in. Inter-sin, inter-sickness, inter-lack. Uh, I had a question when I was young. I remember I was in Sunday school. I was like, why, did, why do we have to go to the dentist? And they said, before the fallen man, we didn't have to go to the dentist. Like your teeth were intact. You wouldn't have got older. Y'all wouldn't have crow's feet when you smile. Like like, when the fall happened, it was a fundamental change of this world. Say amen to no crow's feet in Jesus' name. <laughs> Glory to God. And, and it is a picture of the fragmentation and the evil that came into this world. When we see chaos and disorder in this world, some people say, well, it just must be God's will. No, listen to me. You're seeing the devil at work. You're seeing a master of this world that doesn't know how to run his way on anything. He couldn't lead his way out of a wet paper bag, and things fall apart because of it, because of his pride. And he's the author of that evil. Uh, The next step is that the world is judged and destroyed. Now, I'm going to be breezing through the narrative of the Bible, but you can read about it in Genesis chapter 6. But uh, God, in essence, looks at a corrupt world, and he says, i got to hit the reset button. This is Noah's story with a worldwide flood, and after that flood, they they resurfaced, but God had to deal with the wickedness in this world, and and he judged it. Uh, Ultimately, even when he started over through Noah and his family, we still have the sin issue, the fall of man that we have to deal with. And so, man, this time, they said, I'm going to take it on my own accord. I'm going to fix it myself. And so they fixed it by all getting together and and erecting a monument to the glory of man. This is the one world government system. This is the story in the book of Genesis of the Tower of Babel. They try to erect this tower, glorifying themselves, what mankind can do, the strength of man's will. And the Bible says that God was wowed by their efforts, but these people are going to kill themselves. And here's what God knows that they didn't at the time. There is no solution that mankind or its government can present to save humanity. It does not work. And so what did God do? He came in, he disordered their languages, and made it so they would obey the command to scatter into the world. This is the entrance of the 12 tribes of Israel. God's holy people. At that time, God instituted a people. He was going to funnel his promise through. He's going to raise up a Messiah and he's going to do it through the Jewish people. And through those chosen people, that is, Abraham and his descendants, God created covenant. He gave promises and he gave laws. He took the chaos of this world and he brought order to all of it. Now, that's great. But there's still a sin nature that mankind has to deal with. And Romans, in the New Testament, the Bible makes it so clear that the law only brings out how bad we are. The law doesn't fix us. That's why if the law could do anything, you would have changed already. If the law could do something in your life, you wouldn't speed when nobody was looking. I don't do that wait a minute. (laughs) I lied, but anyway, uh, there would be no murder. There would be no abuse. We wouldn't have movies about sex trafficking having to be hid by an evil and corrupt media. You see, these things wouldn't be at play if the law worked. That's why we need the police. You could defund the police if we were in heaven because there's no sin, sickness, disease. There's nothing wrong. In fact, I say, how about this, guys? First thing we do, we glorify Jesus and then let's all vote to defund the police when we get to heaven. We'll send them on a much-deserved retirement, and we'll celebrate. But you can't do that in here. Why? Because people are crazy. (laughs) They've done lost their ever-loving minds. There is chaos and disorder, and so we need some people to bring the law into this world. Amen, somebody? The law doesn't change anybody. Now, it did make a more civilized mankind, and in antiquity, there is no civilization outside of the law that God gave. None at all. But halfway through the narrative of the Bible... You enter in the central character of the whole thing, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ comes in, and he splits history in half. I've heard some documentaries recently, and they they still refer to our timetable, but they call it BCE, before common area, and and they're trying to take out before Christ. You're still going on when the man was born. (laughs) And so even in their efforts to try to change it, he still divides history. He lived a sinless life. When we had perfection, humanity crucified Jesus on a sinner's cross. He died for our sins, and and he resurrected. He is the topic of the Bible. Listen to me. Everything in the Old Testament and that list on the left, it was pointing toward the Messiah, Jesus. And everything you read about in the New Testament points back at his sacrifice and everything he ratified and earned for us in his resurrection. The Bible is not a story about you. It's not even a story about your blessing. And I believe God wants to bless you, but that's not the story of the Bible. It's a story about Jesus. Amen, Amen, somebody? And his story of coming into our world. This is when Jesus was alive. He instituted the 12 disciples. After he resurrected from the dead... The church, which are God's holy people. He started a new era of time. We call it the dispensation of grace. That is that you can accept Jesus as your Lord. You can withdraw from the world system and he can change your nature. No longer is it all about outside rules and regulations. The Bible says, and this is a big difference between the Old and New Testament. He writes the law in your heart it means that when you accept Christ, you don't want to do the things that are bad. Even if you might do them, you know it's wrong and you hate that you did it. It's because there's a fundamental change on the inside of you and it gives you the capacity to change. Now, unfortunately, as good as that all is, we live in a world that in many areas has rejected this over the years and in the current area, has fundamentally rejected our faith, our philosophy. They reject the idea of absolute truth. They, they disregard our values, the validity of Scripture. And in all of that, they then disregard the idea of any law. So they're not even just taking out the heart change. They're taking out the order fundamentally. It is demonically inspired to unravel nations, and it has the power to do it if we lit it. And unfortunately, as the world spins out of control, it's all headed toward, write it down, a one world government system. I marvel. Every once in a while, somebody comes up and says, Pastor Joe, I just don't know why. I love everything about it, but why do we have to be so political? Listen to me. I am not a political preacher. Politics are becoming deeply spiritual. I'm not going political on you. Politics are going spiritual and not the positive spiritual. They're going evil on you. And this is forecasted in the Bible. At some point, there has to be a church that rises up and says, This is evil. The platform of your party, listen to me, is evil. Why, in 2023, does it take any amount of courage to say these things, where if you went back to your parents' generation, you could just say, well, that's murder, and everybody like, amen, but we're, we're losing our grounding. Why? We're not going by the book. The roadmap is being lost on a generation, so we're, we've lost the scripts, and we have to go back to what God says. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. That is why there is an agenda, I believe it will happen in our lifetime, to abolish the dollar. They want to take uh, the United States dollar away as the reserve currency for this world and institute a digital currency. Pastor, why are you talking about that's political? It's script. It's prophecy. It's people said that's never going to happen back in the '80s, and it's happening right in front of you right now. And it's all in an effort. Here's what they're going to do in the name of love. In the name of safety, in the name of your security, because we know what's best, we're the Lorax, and we speak for the trees. <laughs> They're going to say, we need to take away the dollar, and we're going to give you currency, but it's going to be digital. Well, then if you don't believe the right way, they can just hit a button and drain your account. This is where the antichrist comes on the scene, and he institutes the mark of the beast. That's where some sort of mark on your hand or on your forehead. These people who are in that time, they're going to be going to Walmart, going, boop. You know, what I mean, when they go by, but like, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you take. That's funny. I don't care who you are. Boop. You know, some of y'all from Croton are going to be like. <laughs> On forgot your PIN number. (laughs) Oh, God, we love you. (laughs) Places we go at New Chapel together is just so wonderful. I took you up to Hardy Dam all of a sudden. Okay. You know, the Antichrist, he will come on the scene and he'll be possessed by the devil. There's only two people that will ever be possessed by the devil, Judas Iscariot and Antichrist. He'll strike a peace deal with the nation of Israel and with the Islamic states. Let me tell you something. Listen to me very carefully. And if we have to take this out of the video because people in Pakistan watch this and it could endanger them, please do it. Islam is savage. Listen to me very carefully. Sharia law is barbaric. The only Islamic republic in this world is Pakistan, and they are living in the Bronze Age because of the abase mindset of Islam and its fake prophet, Muhammad. Listen to me. You can't have your little coexist bumper sticker. It doesn't work because one person on the coexist wants to kill y'all. Listen to me very carefully. There is a right and a wrong, a light and a darkness in this world. Anything that is not of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, is of the devil. It is demonic. It is demonic. I don't know if any of this is going to be in second service. Probably not on the podcast, but it's been a second, and i got to tell you the way I feel. Amen and amen. What's going to happen? God's going to have His fill of all that junk and God will judge this world and destroy it. Jesus will return for his church. I believe wherever your theology lands, I believe he is coming to get his church and take us out of this world before the tribulation. I don't know where your theology lands, but when Jesus comes, I'm leaving on the midnight train to Georgia. Everybody, like, I'm getting out of Dodge. I don't care where you all want to stay? God bless you. Hold on, church. We'll, We'll keep all the records. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here because this world will face the full condemnation and judgment of a world that is absent from God's people. It will be falling apart in that season. Don't worry about that. If you're a follower of Christ, don't let that put you fear. We're getting out of this place before any of that happens. Now, what will happen ultimately, and I am simplifying so much that I've spent hours teaching about end times, eschatology, and the narrative of Scripture, but trek with me ultimately, God is going to take us to a spot where Satan and sin exit this world. He will judge them. He'll bind them up first, then he's going to straight deal with them in a a thorough way. This is leading towards a new heaven and a new earth where God and redeemed man will be back together in paradise. Do you see the full cycle that God is taking us on? Now you have a view. It's kind of like if you're traveling to a different state, kind of want to see what's going on. Now here's what we're going to do. We zoomed out. I want to zoom in, and I want to show you where you fall into all of this. The next little bit's going to go quick, but I really think it's going to help. Amen, Somebody, We need to understand how this is going to work. We got the narrative of the story. How, How does it work in my life? Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. Remember that. Joints and marrow, not just the structure of your life, but the life giving part of you. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Keep that passage up there for just a moment, guys. You are made in the image of God. God is a three part being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are made in His image. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. Your body is the part of you with those crow's feet. It's the part of you you got to comb every morning. It's the part of you you have to feed and care for. It's the outside. It's the earth suit. Your soul, this is your mind, will, and emotions. It's, it's your emotional self. It's the, really the way that you interact with other people. You're not really doing, for most part, with your body. You're interacting on an emotional level, but then you are a spirit. The truest you is a spirit man. And that's the part of you that connects with God. It's that spark of God's life that is inside every person, and it needs to be born again in all of us. But here's the big idea with this is I'm trying to say it's confusing. The word of God, the Bible says, divides soul and spirit. It it, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here's what happens. We accept Christ, and you get an idea about something, and you're like, God, I don't know. Is (laughs) Is this the Holy Spirit or heartburn? You know what I'm saying? Is, is this just something I want, or is this something that you want? And I'm trying to say it's confusing. And here's what God's word does here's what I want you to see it judges the thoughts and attitude, it divides what is spirit and what is Joe. It divides what's God's spirit and you. And it says, This is, and if you lean into the God, God's word, the, the truth of God's word, He'll show you exactly what you're supposed to do. Well, I just believe God's going to speak to me. Listen to me. Stop hearing voices apart from God's word. You need to get into God's word. And then when God speaks to you, he'll verify what he even said to you by his word. Some of you are waiting for God to write it inside the, the, the sky. It's not going to happen if you're not immersed, baptized, if you will, in his word. That's when he speaks to his kids. And so this is the division. Old Testament all about your actions. New Testament, all about the heart. And the word of God is what can divide what's going on in there. Now God took it from external to internal and now we're living in an age where the Holy Spirit can help us be the people that God has called us to be. The Bible is alive. It's amazing. and the most amazing piece of literature on earth. But here's the problem. Though it has the power to fulfill itself, write it down, when the Bible seems dead... The world seems alive. It can be amazing. It can have the answers that you're looking for. But if you don't approach it in a spot, if you don't have an attitude of, if you're not feeling the life when you're reading it, it's going to seem dead, and this world is going to seem alive, and it's not. This is why we, we spend so much time working to craft and forge and foster messages for our children. New Kids has messages and series that's on their level. Why? I need them. I need them to have an experience with the Holy Spirit before they leave back there, making the word of God really come alive. Because if it's not real to them, all of this, church, religion, is going to seem like empty religion and rite and and ritual and holy robics, and they're not going to get it. It's going to seem dead. And then they're going to look at a party culture or a drug culture. And why are they doing all those things? Because they're desperate to feel alive. We have the living word of God. Let's show them life and that more. A full tank, everybody. That's what they need. Now, as I say that, you're like, yes, we need that for our kids. And you're like, I need it for me, pastor. I got you because I've been there. And so in the moments we have left, I'm going to give you three things. I want you to apply these into your life. Really wrap your mind around them. Wrestle this down. Listen to the podcast. If you get it, it'll make the word of God come alive, and that will give you a full tank. Number one, here we go. Faith activates the word. Faith activates it. The word of God is powerful, but it's just black and white words on a page until there's faith in it. If you don't have faith, the word seems empty. Hebrews chapter 4. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. It's talking about another group of people. But the message they heard was of no value, not that it was no value, but no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Some of you today, you came into church, I could have stood up in front of you and I could have gone watermelon, 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 and you would have gone, praise God, hallelujah, God can do anything. Because the word of God is alive in you and nothing would have changed. I could have read one verse and you would have gone out here and been like, we can do it. And you're sitting next to people who aren't getting anything. I am like, I don't get it. There are some of you that are taking notes today. You're writing these passages down. You plan to change. You plan to grow. You want that life of God's word in you, and you are sitting next to people that, like the stone in the fountain, you can break it open, and it's dry on the inside. It hasn't penetrated. Why? Is it because the word of God doesn't work? No. It's no value to them. It's no value to you. You don't value the word so it's not alive to you. You don't have the faith like those people that obeyed it. Well, those people obeyed it; they must have. Fe- they felt nothing. Oftentimes, when I obey God, I feel nothing. When I that usually feels bad. If you want to know, on the end after I've Bible says we sow weeping, but we reap with joy. On the other end of that obedience, we reap. If you think that they were, fi- you just obey it. But it's not the Word of God that's the determining factor. There's people that are going to get something out of it, and those that are not, it's those that approach it in faith that will get something out of it. And so faith is putting things into active. Not in my notes, but you should write that down. Faith puts things into active. Faith is the New Testament word pistis, and it literally means trust that produces action. Oprah, several years ago, uh, in-between diets, I suppose, uh, gave away a whole bunch of cars. What? It was like the narrative of the show. It's why it kept all of us watching it. We're like, well, how are we going to lose weight now? You know? Oh, it's this new way. She gave away cars. Y'all remember that? You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Don't check underneath your seats. There's no keys right there for you, by the way. But every week you get the keys to the kingdom. And some people look like, oh, I just don't know if it's going to work. Imagine, people have more faith in Oprah they're going to go out there on their own network, start up a car. They don't even know. But we give you the keys. The kingdom, you got to put it in there, and you've got, you got to turn that thing on in your life. Just saying. Well, Pastor, if I need more of the word to come alive, where do I get the faith? So glad you asked. Number two, write it down. Revelation activates faith. You need a revelation of the word of God. Now, this sounds a little churchy, but I want to explain it to you. Romans 10, 17, the Bible says... So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's not just hearing it, because again, there's people that hear it, but there's no value. It has to come alive somehow. There are two words for the word, word, in the New Testament. The first word for the word, word, in the New Testament is the word logos. Everybody say the word logos. This is black and white words on a page. It's just literally talking about a word, describing a word. But then there is the New Testament word, "rema," And it is to say a revelation, a revealed word, and a live word. This is to say the word of God becomes real to you. It's activated in you. You're, you go from like, oh, I just don't get it. All of a sudden, the blinders come off. It'd be like, well, how many fingers am I holding up behind my back? You're Like, I have no idea. Revealed. That's revelation. Does that make sense? That's what God wants to do. He wants to reveal to you His Word. He wants it to go from Logos, black and white on the page, which you need to engage with, but He wants to take that when you're engaging in it into Rhema, where it's like that. Does that make sense to you? I I can do that. I got that. I can do something about that. And when you have a revelation word from God, that's where the Bible comes alive. Okay. I want to make this pretty real for us. This is an example from the Bible, and it's the story of Mary, the one who birthed Jesus into the world. It's in Luke 1. If you like extra notes, I'll read just a couple of passages. But an angel shows up to Mary, and he's like, hey, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah, the, the, the God of the universe is going to be born to you and, and you're favorite of God. And Mary freaks out. Her insecurities show up and, and, and she's thinking to herself, I'm a kid. I'm a virgin. I've never had sex before. I'm going to have Jesus be born. Like, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't know about this. I'm, I'm out. How? And here's what happens as she's freaking out. The angel replies, in Luke 1.37, he says, For nothing is impossible with God. The word nothing there, two words. It actually means no rema." A better translation would be, for no word from God will ever fail. He says to Mary, listen, if you get this word I'm giving, if you take the word in, That's when it's going to become alive. The very next thing that's said from Mary, the next verse is not an insecure child. This is somebody who's full of faith. She says this in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. She doesn't understand the mechanics of it. She has a revelation word from God, and now she has faith in it. Friends, I have no idea How a brown cow can eat green grass, give white milk, yellow butter, and a red steak. But I still can order at Logan's. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? She doesn't understand the mechanics, and she's realizing, I don't have to. She's freed from having to understand it all. She says, as you say. Let it be done unto me as you've said. Your word is what matters to me. And she becomes the mother of the Christ child. Do you see the progression? It's the same thing in your life. You don't have to understand God. We're all still trying to understand God. If you have to figure out God before you take a step, you're not going to be taking a step. You'll be studying our God in heaven. But if you can trust our God, trust what Jesus said, that there's a dividing line, the devil's bad, I'm good. You can trust in his goodness, even though you don't understand everything that's going to happen, you can trust him, the one who said the word. Amen, somebody? That begs the question, Pastor Joe, I need to have faith in the word. How do I get faith? We get it from Revelation. All right. I'm from the north, everybody. Where do we get that revelation from? Number three, the Holy Spirit activates revelation. It's the reason why denominational and religious Christianity fights so vigorously against the power of the Holy Spirit. It's because the enemy does not want you to have the power that God intended for you to have. If you only knew The great things that he has for you. The devil wants all of this to appear like it's a dry set of rules and rituals, archaic and dead. He wants you to fall asleep when you try to read the Bible in the morning. He's going to try to bring up apparent conflicts in the Bible. There's no conflicts in the Bible. He's going to try to make you think that it's just the Jewish book of fairy tales, as atheists have said over the years. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit wants to activate it because the book is alive. Say amen, somebody. But we must read it the right way. We have to invite the Holy Spirit to bring that revelation, which will activate faith, which will make the word of God work. i got to go quickly, but let me show you this. In Ephesians 1, the Bible says this. Paul is praying. He says, Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. Here, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom and Revelation. What does he reveal? Glad you asked. John 16, the Bible says. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you. He has the answers. Where do we find truth, Pastor Joe? Here's the whole message. It's gone inside out. All in John 17, it says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit bringing revelation. That's how the word of God goes from being words on a page, logos, to being that rhema promise for you. That's where you'll be able to say, this is reality in my life. I can base my life on it. And friends, look at me. Look at me. I did. I was nothing. And without God, I am Nothing everything good that you love about me or the work this church has ever done, it is God that has come through me that you love. I was nothing and am nothing without my God, but I trusted what he said. I had nothing to lose. My life felt worthless to me, but God with a mighty hand lifted me up out of the junk and dysfunction, the poverty, abuse, and neglect, and he set my feet on a rock. Amen, somebody? And he can do it for you. It's when we believe God's word, we apply faith because it's revealed and the Holy Spirit's speaking to us that we're like, yeah, God can do something with me and in my life and we'll begin to walk it out. And that's where you'll get to a spot where you'll say, I'm a child of the King. I don't have to take this junk anymore. I don't have to be depressed or, or, or confused or discouraged. I don't have to be defined by my past. I am a child of God Almighty. I am royalty. And I'm going to walk in this world as a child of the king. Say amen. Doesn't matter what I face. Well, this is way too big. Greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. The Bible says it. I believe it. Well, I'm broke. No, the Bible says that he'll meet all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. I'm full of fear. Now, the Bible says that he has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That is so strong, you can build your life on that. Don't be riddled with fear. Be riddled with faith in God. Amen? People are hurting around me. It's depressing. They're sick. The Bible says that when we, normal people, when we lay hands on the sick, the Bible says they recover. Hallelujah. And based on that response, I need to teach on healing quick. You listen to me. There's healing in your hands. There's vision in your eyes. Wherever the feet of a Christian go, we claim for the kingdom of our God. Amen, somebody. Bible calls me blessed. He says that he always leads me in triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. No weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. God has triumph coursing through your veins, Christian. Stop taking crap from the world. I don't care what the world thinks about me. Oh, but Pastor Joe, it's all crumbling. You have the anointing and power of God in you. You're not going to take it laying down, and we know that we're going to escape this place before utter chaos ensues, and so you can walk in confidence. Well, I'm afraid for my kids. Knock it off. You have faith for your kids. Godly people have raised kids in worse climates than today, and we can do it now, especially because we have the help of God's Spirit in our life. (laughs) Amen? God will open doors that no man can shut, and he'll shut doors no man can open. You hear me? God can move mountains on your behalf if you trust him at his word. Why are you so passionate about this? Because I was nothing. I look at how God's blessed my life. And apart from the word, it never would have happened. But I've trust him at his word. And I've determined I will walk by faith, not by sight. That my boldness isn't bravado. It's boldness in who God has remade me to be in him. And I will allow this church and through me and through all of us to proclaim the year of God's favor because Jesus died on a cross. He made a way. He paid the price and he he made it so all can know him. And so we together can make a difference because we can trust him at his word. Say amen, somebody. And my friend... If you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through the scriptures, if you allow the Holy Spirit to show you the truth, the truth will set you free. You'll have a full tank, and you can face anything this life throws at you. Bow your heads in the presence of God. Lord, I pray for my church. We needed this moment together, God. I pray for them. There are people at all different levels, God, and some of uh, the people in the sound of my voice, they, they know you and they trust you, but God, they just need to be reminded along the way. They need a high five while they're trusting God. They're like, yup, I agree. Yes and amen. There are some people that they have a big promise before them, an opportunity. Maybe things don't look good. We don't have problems. We have great opportunities to show God's faithfulness. But they feel it. Lord, I thank you that As they heard your word today, something in their heart confirmed the word, yes. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit activating that truth. God, I pray that they would begin to trust you, that they would lose faith in the fact that they have to figure everything out. No, God, that they'll trust you and they will see the promise come to pass. God, I know that there's people inside my voice. When they came in, they needed hope. Hope might have got a little hope today, but Lord, they need to even acknowledge you as Lord. They need to acknowledge that this whole process before you is for them. Some people have shamed their way out of faith in God. Lord, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to pray for you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess him as Lord, church, listen to me you'll be saved. You'll have eternity in heaven. Yes, but that full life, that abundant life, that full tank that you need and I need it's found on the other end of amen. Church, pray this with me out loud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. I want to pray for those of you that need a breakthrough. I'm going to bless you like I normally do, but I want to pray for those people that need the Word of God to come alive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as people engage the Word of God with new eyes, that it comes alive this week like never before. God, I pray for those people that need faith. They have a big obstacle before them. Lord, I pray that they would approach it in the spirit of faith. Holy Spirit, I know that you will confirm the Word. I thank you that you build your people up so that they can live in faith. God, I thank you that they will take ground in the kingdom because they have faith in you through what you said. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, guys are dismissed. See you next week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.